Let's introduce our panelists. First up, we have Kendra Castleberry. She's a casting director for all kinds of great shows. Uh, Castle, Grimm, she's been doing this forever and I'm so happy she's here. Rachel Feldman, um, she's directed tons of television. I highly encourage you, if you haven't looked these people up, you've gotta go see their IMDb's, they're fantastic. Um, she's currently packaging her feature with names, so it's gonna be fun to ask her about that. And Will Ray, he directed the star-studded film, Austin Found. Um, which had so many people in it. I don't know how he got all those celebrities. And he's currently packaging a multi-million dollar film starring Uma Thurman. So lots to learn today. Hello, my peoples. Thank you Hello. so much for being here. Thank you for having um, us. You are all just the energy. Like I, I love Rachel comes in with this energy that's very like, I want to, how's everybody? You just feel welcomed. I guess that's the word. Just, I just love that energy you have. Good, that's got to work very well for you pitching your films right now. <laughs> Um, so what I would like to just jump right into is let's go positive and fun and big and get the, the fun stuff out of the way, which is what makes you excited about working with an actor or, or what makes you excited to do a, a casted actor? Is there something that stands out for you guys? In any particular order? Yeah. And sometimes you guys aren't all going to answer just whoever has something to say. Well, I'm sure we're all going to say the same thing and that to be in this business, to be on this side of it, we, I love actors. I love the, the magic and the alchemy that happens when a great actor uh, is in a room and takes something that's written on a page and enlivens it. And um, it's really kind of a miracle and uh, magic. And when you see it happening before you, there's nothing else like it in the world. So that's what's exciting. Wow, yeah. actors, no pressure at all to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I think before the actors come in, it's, you know, somewhat of a solitary process for writers beforehand and directors beforehand trying to prep and all that. It's very solitary. So when the actors come into it, it's all of a sudden a collaborative process. And and I think most of us got into it because we like to work together. We didn't want to be all separated around the world. So I think that's a big part of it, too, to kind of feel that energy together. Love it. Love it. Will, why don't we hear Will? That's not good. See, this is what happens when you're a, you're using your iPad and not a regular computer like a normal person. No, we still not here. We'll keep working on that with John behind the scenes. Um, in the meantime, um, what considerations do you guys? What are on the considerations are on the table for you when you're trying to attach a name actor for your film to get it financed? Um, cause obviously I know, I know myself, I rarely have a choice in that. Like usually it's like, here's the name actor you're getting <laughs> and then you can cast all the other roles if I'm lucky. Uh, what kind of considerations do you guys have when you're like going out for names? And Rachel, let's start with you because you're doing this right now. Yeah. Uh, boy, this is such a big subject. I, I, I have, I have worked on many films, particularly television movies where it's like what you just said, Jen, you know, the producers say, this actor is going to be good for us for this sales reason or that sales reason. And, you know, this is your cast. You know, these are your big names. And like, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the fun stuff will come with with the day players or other other things. But you know, where I am right now is I'm casting a big budget movie that I wrote and will be directing. And we need, uh, you know, Riviera talent. It's a huge role. It's an important movie. It's a beautiful part. And in order to support the big budget that it is, the way that the structure of financing goes is we need an A-list actor. Um, I, I am frustrated by the uh, 
sales agent driven notion of our business in that, you know, the lead for my movie is, an, is a woman who's over the age of 50. And there aren't that many women above the age of 50 who fall into this A plus superstar category, or if, if they are, you know, they're major stars like Meryl Streep, who I'm delighted to say is actually helping me cast my film because she understands how important it is to have some power behind this. And through her her agents at CAA, we are able to have access to, to major talent. But it's frustrating for, and Jen, you must know this very well, being a director who's not famous, you know, being a director who isn't celebrated, you know, I'm not Ava DuVernay, I, you know, I'm not Patty Jenkins. My name doesn't fall off you know, the names of directors when you're naming your top five women directors. Um, but I am, a, you know, a, a mature uh, mid-career director who can handle a big movie, should be handling a movie. But when these actors don't know my name, that's an issue too. So gender discrimination sort of falls through the actors into the, into the director part. And I will, and I'm very close on the verge of casting, you know, very, very brilliant talent, but um, it's been a, it's been a tough road. It's a challenge because it is a business, and the business is not is, is still working under these antiquated rules. The, ir the ironic part of that is when people get in a room with us, they always will pretty much always will say yes. So it's like getting them to get past that they don't know you and get in a room with you, and they go, "Oh my gosh, you're amazing! Why am I not working with you already?" Exactly. exactly. Will, do we have sound from you yet? Um, can you hear me? Yes. Now? Okay. <laughs> you have an interesting story with your last movie trying to attach talent because you had like an actress that was in and then couldn't do it and then another one who couldn't do it and then like you kept getting attached and losing for Austin Found. You want to tell well, yeah, the short had, story of that? Um, I had Parker Posey originally and um, she was attaching when we were shooting. I mean, we were in pre-production in Austin and um, I remember I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back to LA, get my car and drive back to Austin to start production. And when I landed LAX, I had all these calls and they were from CAA telling me that Parker, Parker pulled out. Um, it was like right like two weeks before production. So that really sucked. Well, um, and she she got like a big didn't she get like a big show or something like she had a big television series and a and also play and literally like the same week she she quit everything she pulled out on oh board. wow yeah so it was for personal reasons that she uh, decided that she had to just take a break from everything and it was crazy because she was at the upfronts and they announced her TV series it just got picked up. And it was a big network series, and she was just like, next day, she was like, ah, nope, not doing it. Yeah, hey, I understand that. I've had my days. So then yeah. you, did you go right to Linda after that? No, we went out to several actresses. Um, I think it took about six months. And then um, I stumbled across Linda and sent her Linda Cardellini, by the way, for those Linda who Linda Cardellini. Yeah, sent her the script. Through a friend of mine, actually. I was actually just uh, at a rap party, um, and the a friend of mine was there who was one of the cast members, and he told me he was friends with Linda Cardellini, and I was like, oh, that's where her manager just um, recommended this project for her today. And he's like, well, I'm, you know, I work out with Linda. You know, let me send her the script. 
So I remember talking to her manager on a Friday and it was a Friday that I had this conversation. Then on Monday morning, she had read it. She liked it. She said, I want to do this. And so I talked to her manager on Monday and, and I was like, Hey, remember you told me Linda Cardellini? Um, well, actually I got the script to her and it turns out she loves it. And she wants to do it. He's like, what? <laughs> so it was kind of funny. Um, the back channel is probably the best way to get anybody if you can. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, definitely. So um, Kendra, that, did same thing you with like do Uma Thurman. It was kind of like that. It was just, you know, I went out to another actor uh, for an African role in the in the um, in the project in the script, and um, his manager was uh, Uma's manager. You're talking about girl soldier, uh, the girl soldier film. Girl soldier, and yeah, yeah. And, and he loved it. And he's like, "Can I give this to Uma because she's looking for material like this?" And I was like, uh, "Sure." So she read it and she loved it. She wanted to jump on. So that was. And the funny thing is like when it comes to those attachments, I think that a lot of filmmakers who haven't done their first movie with big names don't get that even if you attach, it doesn't mean you're going to be filming with them. So stop making these huge announcements before you're on set. Totally. And two, um, you might have somebody attached like Uma's been attached to your movie for like five years, right? Like it's, you still have, there's still Longer. work to be done to get the money. Everything isn't easy peasy. Yeah. Um, Kendra, I'd be curious, do you ever do deals with act um, with filmmakers sort of to get actors attached to help them cast it so they can get financing? Or is it kind of like, no, you pay me and then we'll talk? I, you know, every project's different. I usually, incur it depends a lot on, you know, again, the status of the filmmaker, the status of the director. It's extremely hard when you're going after A-list talent um, if if you don't have those name those people that automatically are buzzwords for agents or managers or things like that. So I often say to, uh, you know, filmmakers who come to me, I say right now you are your best sales pitch because you're the passion person. So um, what I've often uh, agreed to do is for a one-time fee, kind of be a consultant. I can talk to you about who I think is right, how I think the best way for you to approach that person might be. But ultimately, I'm going to get the same response as you will if if I don't have a straight money offer or I don't have, you know, big names to sell to them. Um, you're probably as the filmmaker and the person who's most passionate about your project, the best salesperson we could send in there, you know, and then and then hiring a casting director, you know, full time on a actual like contract basis when you're ready to actually get into the casting of the film. Um, because what we find is that otherwise people want us to stay attached for years and years and years. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're like, we can't do that either. No, you know, that's very difficult to do. So the way I've kind of been able to rectify it is by doing these, you know, one time or two time consultancies that are much more manageable also for an indie budget <laughs> to, you know, do that and then kind of send you off on your way in a lot of ways. But I, I have to echo what everybody else said. If you can get around the agents and managers to get to those actors that you want, at least getting them the script first, that will go a long way because you have to think about when you're going after a nameless talent, even if you're making them an offer, you're one of 20 offers, right. 30 40 offers they have and you know and their reps who are their gate gatekeepers are prioritizing for them there's you know the reps are the ones saying you should read this one first you should read this one second and so sometimes that's hard to 
get and they they very much understand you know that they that in a lot of ways you need them more than they need you right now and so you're kind of on their timetable in a lot of ways which is extremely frustrating for you know a lot of filmmakers very frustrating you know because well, i think too that like filmmakers have to you have to develop if you're going to do this yourself and you're going to go straight to agents and managers yourself you have to develop a thick skin which i still in 20 years don't have I still don't have it, but you have to be able to, because agents are going to be nasty. Like we've gotten emails back that are like, she's busy. It's like, are you, you know what? You don't know who I am. You don't know who I'll be next year. Like you get so, it's really hard to like not be angry, but then you have to keep your sort of good name reputation. Like, okay, thank you. Well, it's it's tough. go for it. Yeah, that that's very hard. Go ahead, Kendra. Go no, finish what you're saying, Rachel. Go ahead. Um, it, it it is very tough, and I have to say, in this particular case, I'm luckier than I've been with other projects before. In that we raised seed money, and so from our seed investors, we were able to hire professional casting directors. And then I also got lucky with the Meryl Streep thing, so you know I got mm-hmm. on my side. And and it is really interesting as someone who's been a scrappy filmmaker all my life to now sort of be go through this sort of ladylike process where the doors are being opened very elegantly. And it is so nice on this side. It is so nice. On this <laughs> side. I, I, I can't tell you. And I, I really hope for every filmmaker you can experience this because, you know, a little bit of money just and, and a little bit of luck really changed the tenor of the time. Doesn't mean that getting the actors is any easier. Um, and we, we still get passes and we don't know why. That's another thing that really distresses me. Could we please know why, that you actually yeah. read the script and what you thought about it? That would be helpful. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I feel Yeah, you. I was going to say uh, the, the casting director thing for us really made a huge difference in that, the film Austin Found that I did. Uh, mm-hmm. We ended up getting um, this uh, casting director named Rich D'Elia. Mm-hmm. And he was just coming off of uh, Dallas Buyers Club. So it was really good timing because he wasn't really super huge yet, but he was very well known. And we ended up paying him, I think it was like $5,000 as a, you know, as a retainer kind of thing. And once he came on board, him coupled with Linda Cardellini's manager. So we have a manager also that is um, well-established and sort of rooting for you because uh, his, his um, client is the lead in the film. Um, I think the combination of putting those two together really, I mean, it really just opened doors. All of a sudden it became like a really talked about project. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we had a lot of big actors coming to us, actors that I was like, these are amazing actors, even though they're not right for the role. It was just weird having like big name actors coming to you. And, and were you actually um, having to just, tell name actors? No, cause that's yeah. a reverse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. It was very odd. Well, and I will say that I do think every, every piece of the puzzle you can add does add value. And it does, it does make the sale of the next role, the next part easier. You know, if you do have Linda already interested and you, then you've got her manager, you know, it's, it's that first piece that's real, that's just really, really the hardest. Cause I do find that it will start to come together and the, in the industry very much does talk to each other. You know, every, every agency has, a Monday morning meeting where they talk about the new projects in town. And, you know, so the minute it starts to get into those conversations, the, the game changes as well, you know, because that's when you start getting those calls 
that you're like, we didn't even ask about that person and they're calling us now, right. which is, you know, everybody wants that to happen. Um, but that's sometimes a long, sometimes that's a long process for that portion of it to kick in. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a wave, you know, of energy and, and enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, you had mentioned your seed money. And I know a lot of filmmakers have that question often. Like if I can raise some money, um, do I go like, basically the question is, do I do a pay or play with, you know, I make sure they're, they're basically like, you know, act people, filmmakers who may not have done this before. A lot of people do that thing where they go, we're going to give you a contract where we're going to pay you whether the film goes or not. So sometimes that's how they get people attached. Um, I'm wondering, did you have, what strategy did you use? And when you say seed money, was it like, you know, like under a hundred thousand kind of thing, or are we talking, we're closer to the million side, if you can tell yeah. us. Sure. So this seed money is not. Kate says, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the seed money that we raised, we raised $150,000 um, in a weekend. It, it, it really came to us very organically through a friend who said, come on up to the Silicon Valley and talk to a few friends of mine. Done. Uh, it just happened, you know. Those so that. I'm yeah. like, noted, Silicon Valley, make friends. Got yeah. it. <laughs> so uh, that's certainly not enough money to make an offer to an A-list actor. What that did do for us is it enabled us to, number one, hire professional casting directors. Mm -hmm. And it also enabled us to hire a line producer to do a board and a budget. So we had a real budget. Um, um, and... Uh, uh, publicity and to get some publicity, to get a publicity director on board. So this was kind of, you know, to form the LLC, to hire a lawyer, uh, $150,000 goes a long way for those kinds of things, but it is not enough to, to nab an actor. And, and um, as we are very close to getting our actor now, I am right now, I have a bunch of executive producers and we are out on the investor search right now you know, looking to get at least the bucket that's going to put it down for the actor. But every smart actor and rep knows that you don't need just that money. You need the entire budget, you know? So that's that's where I am right now at this very moment. Can, can I ask Rachel a question? Yeah, um, yeah. Out of that 150,000, um, you were saying that you can't really use that towards securing an actor, but um, is there Times like I know that uh, when we're working with agencies, we can put down like say 10% of the offer to secure the actor. Um, were you not allowed to do that with this particular money? Or no, no, it's not not allowed. We we haven't tried to do that. Number one, I think num I, I think primarily with the level of actor that we're going after, I don't really know that that would work. I also think because we're in COVID, the time of when are we actually shooting? Nobody really knows. So. Sure sort of illusory and I you know I'm the kind of person like I, I everything that I say I want this to be real right and if we put down 10% of whatever the offer is it might be enough to make it attractive but I want the whole budget I want to be able to say to this A-list actor this is real and when we go we're going this isn't playtime where we're just going to put your name in an article and hope for the best this yeah. So that's our approach. I mean, maybe we'll change that point of view in a little while, but we haven't had to yet. And I do find that's true, especially when you do go after A-list talent. Like, you know, a lot of agents and managers, you can get them to read the script and they'll give you their thoughts on whether they think it might be something of interest to their client. But, but before they will actually send it to their client, they want a firm offer on the table. Like that's, that's where I frequently get the, 
Yeah, it's great. It sounds like something she might be interested in, but until you have a firm offer for me, <laughs> you know, I'm not sending them this thing. Well, until you have the money as well. I mean, they want a certain percentage of the budget yeah. to be in place as well. Yeah. Usually, I mean, I, I, from my experience, they, you know, it's usually like between 50, 60, 70%. You know, if you have that already locked in, then they take you serious. Right, but then it's the conundrum. How do you get the money without the actor? You know, right? It's yeah. so hard, but I think, you know, especially with the A-list people, they don't they don't ever want to get them excited about something that could fall apart. That's why they like to know that the money's already there, that it's you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> you know. Now, before we move into the casting um, process and the on-set stuff, uh, let's talk about non-A-list. So, you know, you're doing an indie film, 20 grand, maybe 50 grand. We've seen some crazy things. I've directed some crazy things people brought me into. <laughs> um, and you always have some kind of cameo roles. Uh, you know, er Eric Roberts has been in everybody's movie. If you if you work in this town, you've worked with Eric Roberts. Let's talk about what that means. Like what in your guys' experience is, what are people looking for? Um, because I always say, don't go after Eric Roberts. He's already done a million movies. So what are they looking for? And what kind of money do you think these people are asking for? Um, I know this is a huge question and it, it varies by project, but in, you guys have experience in that? I mean, my experience has been um, if it's easy in, easy out, in town, mm -hmm. you know, pick them up in a limo or have a driver, you know, come up, get them. Uh, I mean, we got Jamie Presley for, I think, double scale one day because she just came up for a day shot with us and then that was it you know she was like in and out and uh you know she basically said my manager thinks i should do this so that's why i'm here you know Aww. um so it, it just depends it's it's really there's a lot of luck and i think that if people are um available and they're not doing anything that that week or whatever they'll do it you know if they like the project of course yeah, yeah. but it's always for great to just go go for it and that's fine. what I was going to say. I think the thing is just asking. It's because you never yeah. know. The lowest I've ever gotten somebody for is $1,400 for the day for cameo day. But like you, one day in and out, not even a full day. Um, we got like a few days out of one or two people for, you know, like, look, we have six grand. We need them for four hours here and four hours here, you know, like that kind of flat rate thing. Um, do you guys have any, Kendra, have you dealt with this at all? I know you don't really deal with the financing so much, but. No, I don't deal with the financing so much, but I mean, I, I do tend to find that actors want to work, you know, actors want to work. So if it's a project they're interested in, if it's a part, you know, I think especially if it's a part they don't normally get to play, that's also a big reason for them to go below their quote. If it's something where they can show a different side of themselves that they don't normally get to do. Um, I tend to find where you're going to end up paying for those cameos is if if it is something they always do, like I find this a lot in sci-fi, you know, like if, if, if they're a sci-fi person who has a big sci-fi following and you're making another sci-fi film, they know their value. They know their value and, they, and you're going to pay for that value. Whereas if it's something that they're going to get to do something totally different, you know, and totally you know, a slapstick comedy that they're going to get to do, they might be like, oh, I'll totally do that for, you know, a right. lot a lot less. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's head on. That's such great advice. 
uh, we did that a lot too, where we just go, look, he never plays this kind of role. Let's just try. And I'm pretty sure it's how the lead in my feature I'm attached to now. I'm pretty sure it's how they got her is because it's something she comes from sci-fi, but she's going to get to do this dramatic doctor role. So she's like, in. um, okay, let's move on to some more of the fun stuff. Uh, but if you're just tuning in, please, if you have questions, put them in your Facebook comments or in the YouTube comments, we see them. We will answer all of your questions. Um, Let's talk about casting for film and TV. So film film is one thing and TV is a whole nother world. Uh, Rachel, maybe start us out in what is the biggest difference for you that maybe you like or don't like yeah. coming from film go or, or vice versa? Because you did, did you did film then TV or did you, have you done TV longer than you've done film? I mean, I, I'm, I, I, the longest part of my resume is as a for hire, you know, director. So I do a lot of, I've directed more than 75 episodes of, of television. Um, and I've directed some TV movies and I'm doing a big feature now, but I came up, you know, as a scrappy New York indie filmmaker making shorts, just like everybody else. So mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've been making the tuna fish sandwiches and saying action, <laughs> and had the sushi spread as well. So, you know, I, I, I've done I've done both sides. Um, I have to say working in television in terms of casting and working with brilliant people like Kendra, the casting directors in episodic television are spectacular. And the level of actors that come in is just dreamy, you know, and I, I also do shows in New York and I'm a theater person. And so the, the actors that just come in the door that'll do a day play or even, you know, just a couple of lines here and there is, is a, a director's dream. And so the level of talent and the, and the casting directors being so savvy. And, and I have to say, you know, Kendra, your experience with the process is so freaking fast. It's like the actors come in and I always want to, hey, how are you? I know you took the subway and you had a park and it's raining or whatever. But it's like, no, they're going and the camera's going and they're walking out and I'm barely like, where are you going the page? What? You know, and I don't, are they good? Were they not good? Is it a one star? Is it a two star? Wait, what system am I using now? And then there's an actor going already. It's just. <laughs> It's fabulous. It's fast and fabulous and a lot of collaboration, but the level of talent is, is spectacular. So, I mean, this is what I know. I do a lot of television and um, I've just been so lucky to work with fantastic actors. You know, casting your own movie is a very different kind of thing. It's much slower and it's painful and you get a lot of passes. So it's very freeing and liberating and fun to be in the television cycle. Yeah, I enjoy, the, yeah. I enjoy the television world because, uh, again, I was somebody who, like, in school, I always did well with short-term projects. If it was a if it was a semester-long project, I probably did it two days before, you know. So for me, like, sh short-term, the the episodic cycle is great and because when you work in TV, again, your date's already set. Your air dates may already be set. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. So there's no option casting wise to not have an actor there. It's going to get cast somehow, some way, sometimes very last minute, but it will happen. <laughs> it will happen. And I like the, uh, you know, the definitiveness of that, <laughs> of knowing that this is going to happen. And it allows you, if you're lucky enough to get on a show that's really been going for a long time, to really start to play, you know, because you know that the show is solid enough on its own 
that you can take risks sometimes. And if they don't work, they don't work. It's not going to kill your show at that point. People are invested in your show. Whereas I feel like in features, there's more, every role is sort of precious because, you know, oh, but they might tune out at this point and this is all I have, you know? I think TV is different in that way. You have a little bit more flexibility to play. Will, I know you're very much an actor's director as well. Do your, are your casting sessions similar to how you are on set? Like taking your time and trying to find the moments and, or do you kind of know when they walk in? um, Yeah. You know, I kind of just, no, I guess I just wait till my casting director goes, you know, here's the final five that we like. And then, you know, I'll take a look at those. I mean, when, when working with unknown actors, I should say, you know, when you work with a known actor, you pretty much know the body of work. So you already realize what to expect. So it's really more about, you know, having that lunch or dinner with them and, really just sitting down and spending an hour getting to know each other and sort of feeling out, um, you know, the chemistry, because that's a huge part of it as well. Yeah. yeah. You ever had a, a dinner with someone and they were, they passed? No. <laughs> or everybody I'm says guest to Will Ray. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they either feel sorry for me or they believe in me one or the other. Um, I would love uh, for you guys to step to answer this question, especially Rachel, because you have directed so much television. What do you do when you're on set with an actor who is famous and possibly that's their show and they don't want to be directed? How do you deal with that? I would say that's the vast majority of stars. Um, you know, not all of them, but the vast majority of them is they know what they want to do. Um, you have to kind of stay out of their way. Uh, if you have a good producing director, they will let you know where the minefields are and what's appropriate to say and what's not appropriate to say and how much that star wants or doesn't want. And it's a slow process to sort of inch by inch get friendly with that actor if they will allow you to. Sometimes they won't. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I, I try to give a little direction if I think something needs it. Most of the time, they're fantastic. Most of the time, right. they know exactly what they're doing. They know their role better than I do. You know, most of the time, 95% of the time, it's just great. But, you know, the time when I do have a little note, something that I, a little juice I'd just like to get, um, I do have to be very conscious about do I want to try to talk about this or not? Um, sometimes I, the little voice inside my head says, mm, no, they're not in a good mood. This is not a good day. It's not that important. It's going to be fine. Uh, and sometimes I try. And when I try, sometimes I get a great response and sometimes I don't. So uh, there's your answer. Yeah, that's. I think it's my, the scariest thing about TV for most filmmakers. When you're going from film where you mold everybody to TV where it's like it's not your baby. Yes, knowing the, where those... the level of performance is so good. I mean, Kendra worked on Castle, so you know Nathan Fillion a little bit. I were, I did a rookie. This uh-huh. man is remarkable, okay? Remarkable, flexible, smart, technical, just a genius and a gem to work with. I mean, to the point where, you know, they wear body cams in the rookie. We mm-hmm. body cams. And Nathan is so astute technically that he moves his body knowing exactly what the width of the lens is and what he's going to get. And you see him sort of doing these weird contortions, and then you see the footage, and he, it's like he's a steady cam operator. You know, he's a body cam operator. So 
Um, some of these stars are team players and you come on and they want to be with you and they want you to have the best experience and they want to have the best experience. And of course, that's that's a dream come true, but it does happen. Wonderful. Yeah. Will, what, have you had any experiences on set with any of your, you had a lot of celebrities even just in Austin found. Did you ever work with somebody who just didn't want to be directed and you had to work around that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't name, don't name names. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one actress came in. Uh, she just had a day role, and she just kind of came in. She was just like, you know, um, when do we get out? What time do I get out of here? Oh, my God. Like, well, that was the first question. Like, I went to, because I, I hadn't met her. I just went to her trailer to introduce myself. Hey, I'm the director. Glad you can come out, blah, blah, blah. It was just like, um, well, you know, you know what time I'm going to get out of here? Because I got kids at home. And I was just like, okay, probably like five or six hours. I think on like wow. hour nine, she was like five or six hours, huh? So it was kind of, um, yeah, that was tough. Because <sighs> she, when she was on set, she, wanted, she pretty much directed that day. She was the director that day. How do you deal with that? Because I would not be okay with it. I, I'm just not... TV is one thing, but in film, I'm sorry. That's my set. I mean, she had good ideas. She was <laughs> she wanted. I was like, yeah. I'm I think that's a good point. You know, often they do have good ideas. and Yeah. I mean, if she came in and she had all these different ideas that, that I wasn't cool with, then I think I would have had a real hard time with that. But she was actually really good. She was very... Uh, she had a lot of experience, more than I have behind, you know, and and so uh, I let her do her thing because she was literally telling the camera people, well, don't you think we should do this? And don't you think I should be here? And I was like, oh, man, OK, but, you know, it's just one day, so I'll suck it up and uh, deal with it. So I did. Uh, Nadar, but thank God, I like the your... producers also noticed all that they all saw you know yeah. so it was kind of like we were all just like at the mercy of this one person that was fine and then you kind of realize why some people don't work a lot in the in town um nader i see your question but can you ask it a little more specifically in what aspect because it's a very broad question um john l curtis has a big long question let's talk about nerves for actors an actor can kneel something for the casting director but then tank in the callback in front of producers and directors what is your threshold for accounting for the between giving someone a second chance and dismissing someone you don't want to know my answer <laughs> rachel what's your answer well, I mean, i'll say if there's something about that actor that i liked you know, whatever it might be, but I can see that they that they weren't doing a good job or something was on their mind and they walk out of the room and the casting director says to me, look, I got to tell you, this guy was great last time something happened. Sometimes I'll say, okay, you know what, go out and, and catch them, tell them five minutes and come back again. Because um, I want to listen to my casting directors and if they told me that there's something that that person just missed, I want to give them another opportunity if I can. Um, or, or if they're just, they were either physically the wrong type or they had the wrong energy, you know, I'll say, you know, next time for another part and I'll just let it go. So it depends. I think actors, you have to stop beating yourselves up too. Kendra, how often do you see that where you work with somebody and they're fantastic and then you get them to producers and you're like, oh my God, who is this person in the room right now? 
it, it happens a lot because, you know, again, when we used to be able to do things live and in person, um, you know, actors become very comfortable with a lot of casting directors because a lot of us dealt with them for years. I mean, we have years and years of experience with them. So when they come in for us in like a pre-read situation, they're often very comfortable. And then, you know, and it's very casual and it's a very warm environment. And then sometimes they can go into these producer sessions and it's, you know, sometimes it's a whole firing squad of people. I mean, I've been in producer sessions that have six, eight, nine people. That's a lot of people looking at you, evaluating you and, you know, and, and often fitting you into their day in a lot of ways. So um, it's not necessarily, I think, always the safest actors feel and you know it it makes it difficult for them sometimes to do their best work so i think when we are lucky enough to get directors and producers who who can see that and understand that and know you know even taking one more minute to give them a chance to breathe will make a huge difference for them um is great is great when we can do that and i think you know just like rachel said we, you know i really try to advocate for my actors not just what they did today in the room but my my knowledge of them as a right. whole you know and their entire body of work and say look everybody can have an off take or an off day but they really do have the skills to do this job and to do this part you know if you're willing to give them another shot at it and to that point, sorry, Will, I'm just going to jump in for one second. Sometimes, you know, they'll, we'll be between like two actors for something and sort of six of one. And the mm -hmm. casting director will say, you know, this actor has come in seven times and it would be really nice for us to be able to give them a role. Like, fantastic. Thank you for letting us know they've got the part. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you want that kind of information. Well, did you I've have any situations where they were really great in audition and then when they were on set they were like frozen and horrible yeah. and it's like what the hell happened how are you the same person like that's sometimes really scary. i think people get really good at auditioning and they don't they don't perform enough and i know a lot of people who are terrible auditioners who i will call to my i'll bring them to my set any day because they're fantastic on set let's get to set now um so when you're on set, what are some of the most important aspects of working with actors and bringing out their performance? Do you guys have certain things that you find yourself always doing every time? And again, TV is a little different. So talking probably more film when you have the time to work with an actor. Like for me, I, I will find myself always doing breath work on set. It, it, I never can get away from it. There's always a, some time where I'll be like, you know, I'm getting them to breathe in a different way to get them to where we need to be. Is there things that you guys do? You're saying um, on the day? Yeah, like you're on set, you're filming the movie. It's interesting that you say breath work because I never really thought of it that way, but I'm uh, very attuned to uh, an actor's vocal performance. And I notice that people, when they get nervous, they start to speak in one tonality, you know, whatever that pitch might be. And as someone who sings, I will sometimes sing with the actor, you know, take them off the set and just goof around with our voices and go high and low to liberate their voice a little bit. Um, so maybe I'm doing breath work and I didn't even know it. <laughs> will, do you I have anything? Sometimes like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll definitely work with someone to try to get them in the right headspace if they're not there. Um, like I remember I was shooting with uh, Skeet Ulrich and um, we had done some takes and it was a very emotional scene. And he did a great job, 
but um, for some reason, we, we were working with red cameras and one of the cards malfunctioned. And so uh, it was about 8 p.m. at night and he was supposed to sort of uh, wrap out after that. And um, we had to shoot it over again, but we couldn't shoot it again till like 1 a.m. Oh. So he was a little upset, like, I mean, understandably. And by the way, Steve's yeah. like the easiest guy in the world to work with. He's the nicest he's such a great guy like i mean i loved him um but he was tired it was a long day um so we shot the stuff at one o'clock and he was like tired and irritable and i don't know man he just did such an amazing job like he blew away his earlier performance because wow. he was in the place where he was supposed to be like you know his headspace and like that kind of taught me something so you know, there's been times I pulled actors aside and I kind of, I don't know, maybe played a little bit of mind games with them just to kind of get them in the right place, you know, um, try to tap into something that, yeah, you know, that, that, that gets them there. I did that with, um, what's her name? Uh, Natasha Leggero. Yeah. Um, see, I think that's her name. Yeah. Um, the, the comedian. Yeah. I had to go. I mean, I pulled her out of the room. We spent like a half an hour. She was like bawling in the room with me, <laughs> like because I got her to like tap into some stuff from her past, and then she came out and she was like ridiculously good. And she was like, <laughs> oh my god, that was the greatest direction I've ever had. Oh, <laughs> she became a big star after that. <laughs> well, I think some other things that um, for filmmakers who maybe aren't um, as because I think the us in this webcast, we're very comfortable with actors. Like I was an actor a million years ago. Like it's just, we're comfortable with actors. If you're not comfortable with actors, I think one of the most important things you can do is create space for your actor. So if they're doing a dramatic scene, the crew is not allowed to be goofing off and loud and being weird. It's like asking your crew to respect their space. Um, always kind of giving the actor the space and we're not shooting on film. So give them the time. Like, okay, we're rolling, but take as long as you need. And it's taken a long time sometimes, but if it if it gets them there, because I've never gone except for on winners, I've never gone over like a three three takes. I mean, five is extreme in my world, uh, and I think it's about giving them the space they need to perform. Does anything else pop up for you guys? Yeah, well, I was going to say too. I, I I think people underestimate how much actors really enjoy prep work and 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 feel comforted by prep work. So also, you know, I've had directors um, on TV, which is really refreshing, you know, ask me for the numbers for cast before they even show up to set and they will call Aww. them in advance and, you know, just say, I'm just introducing myself. And, you know, do you have any questions about your character that I can, you know, so that they can answer so that those actors can start thinking about those things before they get to set before, because it's like, even if you're trying to be really kind and telling them to take their time, they still know there's people waiting, people are right. waiting headlines. Well, TV is definitely, yeah, and for sure. Film, I mean, you know, they, they know that like they're slowing down the process a lot of times. And I think that's something that actors feel. So again, if they can be allowed to do some of that work kind of on their own time before all that pressure is there, I think sometimes they deliver better. Well, I would say too, that it seems that that would even comfort an actor. If you're gonna come in as a day player and maybe you haven't had a lot of credits, 
the director calls and now you already have a friend when you show up on set mm -hmm. that's already you're ahead of the game mm -hmm. how you feel that's mm -hmm. amazing mm -hmm. um is there a it's point also very good to uh really have like deep like it, you know really have deeper sort of conversations about the character um mm -hmm. with the actor ahead of time Mm -hmm. and make sure that um you know you guys are sharing the same vision because a lot of times they really have a different idea of who that character is and um if you don't have a lot of rehearsal time it's hard to to change that on the day of so i think it's also really important to talk to each actor and really um really get into what they think you know um, that that role calls for and, and who they're supposed to be in it Exactly. Yeah. On, on uh, like low budget features where I don't, haven't had the opportunity to have rehearsals, but I'll usually ask for a day where at least I'll get, you know, two hours, three hours, just sit down and talk about the character. Um, exactly. You won't necessarily read any lines, but we'll just talk about the character. So when they show up, we're on the same page. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, so we've all worked with kids. Um, in various forms and people a lot of people say avoid kids but i really always got to kind of go filmmakers don't be scared to work with kids avoid kids is just because of the laws and all the things you have to deal with kids are the best you'll ever work with i would love to hear your guys experience with working with kids um and how they compare to working with the adults you have any stories like your well, Austin found was all about the little girl how was that so it's cool because um you know i i was kind of a a big fan of the that Louis show, right? And Ursula Parker was his daughter, and you know the youngest one. And I used to think, like, oh my god, she is so perfect for my movie. And I wanted her in the film from day one. Like she was the first person I thought of. And um, we reached out to him the first time. We didn't really get any kind of response. Um, but then once the other actress came on board, yeah, you know, she signed on. So it was crazy. I can't believe it. I was like, I got Ursula Parker. That was actually my, my, um, yeah, that she was like the one that I wanted actually more than any other actor because I thought that, you know, it really, um, it really, there's so much on her, you know, she's one of the main characters. There's so much, um, that she needed to come through. She's like just a brilliant little actress. Um, but, working with her um it was really um sort of hit and miss because she was at an age where you know she would get distracted sometimes and um some some days she would come in and she would just kill it i mean uh, you wouldn't believe like this girl was like uh 10 years old like it just she was so good and then other days she'd come in and she just her mind was somewhere else she didn't want to be there you know and she was um so it was really difficult. So I, I remember like there's times where I would just say like, I'd give her a line and I was like, listen, I just want you to repeat this line like 30 or 40 times in every different way you can think of. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, every type of cadence, every sort of emotion. Um, and I had to resort to that because, you know, at midnight, you're shooting at midnight out in the desert in the freezing cold and you got a 10 year old, um, and I mean, I don't know if we were working her, whatever, whatever the laws were, we were, <laughs> we were following um, the laws. <laughs> we were, yeah, whatever they were, but it was late and she was tired. And I just remember so many uh, little occasions like that. Um, I found it um, pretty difficult, but um, 
at the end, you know, she did amazing. She, it's just like you see her performance in some of those scenes and you really feel for she's her. Great. And so many people have said that. Yeah. She's great. But I will also say you're one, you're one child. I had 13, eight to 11 year olds playing ninjas for a scene. Boys. Yeah. That's talk about losing attention. Uh, I don't want to hear about your sweet little girl, Will. <laughs> uh, Rachel, do you have any thoughts on working with kids at all? I've had great experiences working with kids and animals too, because I have to say, you know, everyone says avoid animals, but they come with these fantastic trainers that know exactly what to do with them. So I've had great experiences with kids and with animals. I will say I was a child actor. And so I was on set at the age of five and um, I had a couple of bad experiences as a child actor. I mean, they were mostly good. They were mostly excellent. You know, they formed my interest in being on set for the rest of my life. So, you know, basically they were fantastic. But I had a couple of experiences with directors who were disrespectful to me, um, who treated me poorly and um, who were brusque. I, I, I played a scene where I, I didn't know that this was happening. I was a child actor, but I had been raped. And um, wow. told me that I was beaten up, which worked perfectly fine. And the director didn't think I had enough blood and sweat and didn't think my dress was torn up enough. And he was like, come here, come here, come here. And I came over to him and he just literally tore the dress on me. And oh he went, give me the blood, give me the blood, give me the blood. You know, it spritzed it on me. And, you know, I'm what, five or six years old. And that oh really freaked me out. And so that informed the way I work with children. <laughs> um, you know, I, I never want to surprise them. I never wow. want to shock them. I want to really make them comfortable and have them have a good time. So um, for, for all the adults out there that work with children, be kind. Yeah, I, I think that you just treat them with respect and, yeah, I mean, they, 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 get, they can get sidetracked, but there's great. I want to answer Nader's question before we run out of time. It's an important question. It's probably, it's a big topic, um, but he's an actor and he said he wants to, he's just starting out in the industry. Uh, he has, he's worried that his disability will be a problem for some people. He's worried that, that there might be discrimination. And if he does face discrimination, what should he do? Um, Kendra, have you ever had to cast any actual specific disabled roles? In your ah, I've audition yes, I've auditioned many roles for you know that were written as disabled. And then I've also cast things that were really just open and um I'm a big proponent of really trying to, you know, uh cast more inclusively in, in our work and, and so when and just you know, why can't your you know, why can't your banker be in a wheelchair or right. um so I try to think in that way anyway, but I think you know. I feel like the tides are changing. I feel like people are more willing to, you know, to work with people with disabilities. I think the key to that is just, you know, again, it's the prep work. You know, we, I think the problems tend to come because surprises come, yeah. you know, that we, you know, that we need to know, you know, everybody needs to know exactly what the circumstances are and what you need as the actor to do the work we need you to do so that we can prepare all of that in advance. You know, I think the only times I've really seen problems is both sides were surprised by circumstances that came up. And so then it caused delays and things like that, which brought on stress and, you know, unnecessary complications. So I think the more upfront people can be about that, the better. And, you know, and I think there's now places, you know, 
especially in the age of COVID where everybody's um, at home and everything, there's a lot of places to be able to talk to people directly on social media and ask questions. And, you know, so if you are nervous about it, you can really get a lot of advice from a lot of different people um, on this subject or before, you know, you're in a position of actually uh, needing to deliver on the day. Yeah. Um, Kate um, also mentions Nader. I don't know if you saw Kate um, says she's a filmmaker in our audience and she says, check out the folks at respectability. Uh, I know that they're helping to get filmmakers uh, more access. We also have a program called All Access that we're, this year is a lot about panels and you can learn and meet, uh, sort of expand your network as much as we can in this pandemic. But hopefully all back in the world next year, we're going to start giving access. We're going to start giving gear and making ways to help disabled filmmakers make projects and then we're going to need disabled actors. And we wanna, the same thing with women. We're doing programs for women. We're doing programs for people of color because I think we all have to help shape uh, the Hollywood we want it to be. We heard Rachel talking about just being a woman over 50 is a whole other thing. Like it's like, there's there's so many barriers we're all crossing and just know there's there are good people out there working to make the world a better place and that you have to just kind of do, do your best to lead the fight the same way I, you know, lead the charge for women directors. You gotta lead the charge for your needs and find allies who will help you. Um, does anybody have any final lovely words? I think that we actually have some actors on, which is interesting, normally all filmmakers. So if you have any words for actors, I think that would be lovely. Everybody gets quiet. There's so many things. I'll start because I want to remind actors that you guys, we are your best friend. Like I'm telling you, when you come in a room, the director is hoping and praying as well as the casting director that you are the fit. We're not going, oh, I have to see another person. Will you hurry up? Like mm -hmm. that's like, that's going to be so, if you ever encounter that person, don't even work with that person. We want you to succeed and remember that when you're going into rooms. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else have something? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with what you just said and I think it's really important to know. And as when I was an actor, I, st I really suffered from stage fright. So I, I, I just commend all the professional actors I know who walk in and don't seem to carry that with them. But, you know, I, I really like to, I don't like the fact that in our industry, the actors don't get feedback from us. Just like I said before, as a director, I don't like not hearing about my script. So I really love giving actors feedback in the room. My producers don't often like it, but sometimes I'll even give it to the casting director and I'll say, please tell that actor's agent that they were unbelievable. They're just the wrong type for this role. Or, you know, tell her, or sometimes I'll run after them and I'll give them a little word. Or, you know, I just, I, I think that we can't do what we do without your beautiful talents. And so if there's anything that you can do for yourself to calm yourself down and bring your best self to us, that's what we want to see. And I guess my advice would be just, you know, uh, you you hold on to your bad days a lot longer than we hold on to your bad days. <laughs> so, you know, I hear all the time actors tell me, oh my gosh, an audition I did three years ago. I'm like, I don't remember the audition from three years ago. I don't remember your audition from last week. I'll be honest. You know, unless you were a jerk. Yeah. Unless it's something truly offensive, you know, truly offensive, but just general, you know, off days, off timing, let your, let yourself off the hook. Nobody's holding this against you. They're not, they're not, you know, keeping you out of future jobs. Nobody's doing any of that. So let it go, let it go and focus on the next opportunity ahead of you. Because if you do bring that negativity into your next audition, 
it will affect the work. So you just have to let those past, you know, those past bad days go and just think today might be a great day. I think I would say um, don't put so much pressure on yourself because there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes that you may not even be aware of. Um, oftentimes, like there's producers who have an agenda or a director who already know that they want somebody in and they're just casting people sometimes just um, because it's kind of part of the process and they need to. Sometimes you can have like a, do a, a brilliant um, audition and, you know, um, they'll go with someone else because it has really not a lot to do with you. And that's not to say, you know, it's a waste of time. I mean, you know, um, I just think that it's really important to understand that, you know, there's, there's, um, there's other considerations besides just your specific talent and, and, and the way you read that day that, yeah. so don't, don't it's beat yourself giant up. Puzzle. You know, it's a, it's a and, tough, yeah, it's a tough, there's a lot of competition as you know, um, and sometimes it takes years. I mean, look at people like George Clooney, you know, and, and others who, who didn't see success way till, you know, till they were much older. Um, you just got to stick with it and, and just never give up. That's, I think that that on your note too, of like, it's sort of like when they, I've always been told them win the room, don't win the role. Mm -hmm. Because if I like you, I will call you back again and again and again. And I will, I've written roles for people who audition for us because I was like, I don't care. Let's find a place for them. And I'm sure, Kendra, you do the same thing. You call people back over and over and over because you want them. I've heard cast directors say, I didn't want to give you that role because I want you for the bigger role. Like, you've just got to, you don't know what's going on. So just go in there and and rock it. And um, I do have to let you guys go. You've been an amazing, amazing panel. I hope that all of our audience has gotten a lot from it. Thank you for joining us. 